Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The Prolific Writer Podcast, episode number 98, Eileen Aaron, best-selling author Eileen Aaron, stops by the show to talk about all things a young adult. Even if you're thinking about writing a young adult novel or haven't yet or want to or are curious or just want to learn more about Eileen's work, you've stopped by the right place. Let's get after it. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast. That is right, the podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often, and well. This is your Prolific Writer Podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton. So glad that you are here. I am back in action. I am almost 100%. I've been hit with the sickies, as we call it in our house, and our whole family's been hit with the sickies, but feeling a lot better today, and I'm so excited to be back in action to share another great interview with you. Best-selling author Eileen Aaron stops by the show, and we talk about all things young adult, as I mentioned earlier. And she has sold a ton, a ton of books, and she's going to offer us some fantastic advice and wisdom about indie publishing and writing young adults and her journey through even her MFA program. And so if you've ever considered uh, getting some more education in the realm of writing, she has some great insight into that, some tips on that as well. So hopefully you'll enjoy that as well. And so I'm so excited to share this interview with you. Uh, just a couple things before we get into the interview. Uh, just a couple updates. Uh, one is I am still working on the course I've been talking about for quite a few weeks now. And I'm uh, working on that, the 45-day novel course, going to teach you how to write a novel in 45 days or less. Uh, write, edit, market, publish, 
that book in 45 days or less and uh, working on that. And thank you all for all the, the feedback from the survey and just things that you're struggling with or things you'd like to see in the course. I'm trying to accommodate you as best I can to make it a, one of the better courses out there um, online. And so it, hopefully it'll be serve you really well. And I'm really excited just trying to make it really good. And obviously getting hit with sickness and a vacation and some other things uh, haven't been able to chip away, but we're getting close. And I'm hoping uh, sometime by April, uh, this is early April as we're recording this, hopefully by the end of April at the latest, uh, we'll have something uh, for you to come in and check it out. And uh, so uh, stay apprised for that. Uh, a lot of great interviews coming in the in the coming weeks. Excited to share those with you. And uh, yeah, just writing the words, doing the thing. Uh, I mentioned, uh, if you're on my on our VIP list, uh, I mentioned that we started a publication on medium.com and uh, called The Prolific Writer, uh, wink, wink, for obvious reasons. And uh, if you are interested in writing for The Prolific Writer publication on Medium, uh, go check out uh, that page. I'll put that in the show notes and uh, you can write for us. And if you got some advice, some tips about writing um, and you'd like to be part of that tribe, I'd uh, love to have you um, submit some work. So uh, without further ado, USA Today bestselling YA author Eileen Aaron. Welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. I am so privileged today to have Eileen Aaron on the show. Eileen is a USA Today best-selling author. She has three different YA series that we'll chat about, and she's only sold about 1.5 million books, so no big deal. So we have a lot to chat about. So Eileen, why don't you say hello and tell us one thing that only you and maybe your closest friends or family would know about you? Um, I uh, one thing. Hmm. I would have to say I have a very unpopular opinion about something that everybody loves. I hate peanut butter. I think oh, it's disgusting. Oh no. <laughs> okay, I have to end the interview right now. I know. So what is there, you know, <laughs> is there was there a traumatic experience that happened behind that? Let's let's get into this. <clears throat> oh, no. I think it's just I don't like the smell of it. I don't like the texture. It's something terrible. But he loves it, including my daughter. It's horrible, though. Okay. So, right. um, and I don't, yeah, I don't know why people would put it on chocolate either. You're ruining the chocolate. Oh. It's so good. Oh, Reese's Pieces, <laughs> come on. Okay. Anyway, we, we won't get into that. <laughs> but on that note, um, <clears throat> so I wanted to talk a little bit. You um, have a really fascinating journey and career and kind of how you broke into writing and publishing and all that, run your own publishing company and all kinds of great stuff. And I wanted to kind of tap into part of your story, which I think is interesting, is you said something about, um, you, you know, you, you, you're doing YA and you said the world do doesn't need another author to do Twilight, but you said, no way, I'm going to do my own version of Twilight. So talk, talk a little bit about what's the background behind that and how you kind of broke into YA writing and publishing. Um, so I was in uh, my MFA program trying to figure out what to write for my thesis and twilight was really really big um, it was about vampires and i was a big buffy fan and i love urban fantasy so i was like you know what i'm gonna write a werewolf version that's just like werewolves are awesome vampires are not so cool and um kind of explore that a little bit because i like werewolves a little bit better um, vampires also another unpopular opinion 
I think they're a little bit like smart zombies. So I was like, they still, is it so sexy? Anyway, so I went and um, went to got my MFA um, and decided to write this book, but no agents wanted anything that was anything teen, vampire, werewolves. She had really kind of done everything that they could do with it. The movies were already out. No editors wanted to hear about it. Everybody was saying, if you write something like this, don't send it. It's just going to get ignored. Um, so I was left after my MFA with this book. Um, and I was certain that there were readers out there that after Twilight were left wanting more werewolves, more vampires, more urban fantasy. I was like, this is not the end. She didn't write the one thing that could ever be written on this topic in this genre. Um, so I decided to study about publishing and marketing and how to kind of get my foot in the door that way. Um, so I decided to release it myself. Um, I put together a business plan, a marketing plan. Um, I signed on with a distributor to help me get in with um, Apple and Amazon and get me prime placement um, and because I knew that I couldn't compete um, with all the other big publishers if I didn't have some way to get in the door that way. So, um, yeah, I put it out there and uh, the first book did decent. Um, and in the back of the first book, I put a pre-order for the next book. Um, I put it out six months later and then that book did well, really well. And then the next book months later, I was on the USA Today list. So that, um, it ended up going pretty well. Um, and pretty low risk since nobody wanted to hear after Stephanie Meyer, no big publishers wanted to hear about YA vampires again. Um, yeah. That's kind of how I broke in. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love the, the, there's, there's a lot we could kind of unpack. I think with that part of your story is because I mean, what you're, you're saying is, you know, well, there's just no more ideas about vampires or there's no books that are ever going to be written about. It's already been, been done. And I think what you're, you're tapping into is really what I think every author struggles with. It's like, I have this idea, it's been done a million times. Um, but then you realize that every story has been done a million times. I mean, maybe it's not as specific as werewolves or vampires, but, um, but there's a unique angle to it, right? There's a unique um, story. There's a unique voice. There's, there's things to it that make it yours. Right. Cause, cause I think if every author thinks that then exactly, we're probably not going to write any more books because they've, they've all been done. I, I mean, how many times have you said to yourself, Hey, I had that. No. Idea. <laughs> right. Um, you know, the, a TV show comes out or yeah. I'm like, wait, that's my idea. How did they, um, and I love your tenacity in that. And just, and also I think in the indie publishing world, just having the ability to say, okay, well maybe traditional is not the route I need to go here, but I can go here and, and still have, have success. So, um, so yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit more, just kind of backing up the, the U-Haul, if you will. Um, you, you know, let's talk about why you write. So, so not just, you know, obviously, you know, wrote some successful books, have sold millions of copies, but, but why do you write? What kind of inspires you to even have written that first, you know, book that, that somebody said would, would never work? Um, I think I write because I have to, um, I don't think there's anything that I don't think there's anything. I, when I graduated from college with a film degree, 
I went and worked in post-production for a little while. And when I went home at night, I wrote, um, and I just couldn't stop. Uh, so I, eventually I was like, this is the only thing that I love in my life. It's this writing. So I have to pursue it. I have to figure out what I'm going to do with this. Can I actually make it as a writer? It seems impossible and like the furthest reaching dream that you can do. And I'm very practical as a person. So that seemed ridiculous to quit my day job and um, nanny part-time and go to back and get another degree, spend more money doing that on something that was probably a pipe dream. But, you know, sometimes you've just got to go for it. Um, so I just, I, I don't think I could have done anything else. I love, I love writing. Um, I love my job and I'm a, kind of addicted at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, good. like if I don't write, you know, I get cranky. I don't know if you get like that, yep. but I get yep. cranky. <laughs> writing. Yeah. So you know, it's a weird, it's just a weird thing. It's hard to even explain that to like f- friends and family. It's just like, you know, why would you waste all that time? you know, they see it as waste, you know, telling stories yeah, yeah. stories, and you're just like, well, I wish I could turn it off. I just can't. Um, and no, and I, I yeah. love that. I think, I think your, your, your story is, is very unique in, in, in some ways, but also I think very common in others is that we just, there's just this thing that you just, once you kind of taste it, you can't stop. And we have all these stories that we want to tell. You can't stop. No. And, and it, whether, I, I heard Stephen King say this the other day that, um, he was like, I would do this even if I wasn't getting paid. He's like, yeah, the money's nice. Obviously he's made millions of dollars, but, um, but he's like, it's not about that. It never was about that. You know, he, I had more rejections than, you know, anyone. And, and, you know, you wouldn't keep going if it was just this thing that was like, oh, if I make some money, I'll keep going. If not, I'll just hang it up. But, um, no, so thanks, thanks for, uh, for sharing that. So, so let's, let's back up a little bit too. um, just kind of where the genesis of some of these ideas came. So you have this, this book idea that you're just like, you know, Twilight part two, or, you know, my own version of that. And people are saying no way, but, but where did that, those influences kind of those fantastical influences come from? And was that stuff you read when you were younger or, you know, why did you decide to go into that genre of, you know, YA fantasy type stuff? Well, yeah, I, I like, I always liked fantasy. I grew up with um, reading more high fantasy um, or epic fantasy. Um, I'm very young. I stumbled upon Mark, Michael Moorcock, um, obviously Tolkien. Um, uh, I really love Terry Goodkind and his books. So I, I kind of were re- was reading these like door stopper books. Um, and then I started stumbling upon like a Laurel K. Hamilton and that kind of uh, urban fantasy, but for adults. Um, and I love like Patricia Briggs and that kind of thing. And I always was a long time Buffy fan. I love Buffy. I love Angel. Um, so I loved that genre, but there at that time when I first started writing, there wasn't anything really big in YA that was also urban fantasy. So I started writing some of that. Then Twilight came out. Um, and I liked what she did with the vampires and everything, but I had some reservations about it. Um, I wanted, I, I really wish that uh, Bella was a little bit more uh, of a role model for young girls and not so lost in the relationship. Um, there wasn't a very good balanced, healthy relationship between the, the guys. So, um, I, and I like the idea of werewolves. Um, I like them a little bit more than vampires. I feel like vampires has, has really been done a lot. Mm-hmm. And I really like the idea 
in my mind, going to boarding school is just something amazing. <laughs> I, I don't know why I idealized it a little bit in my head, but I did. Um, so I thought it would be fun if there was a werewolf boarding school and they, these kids could go and sh- this girl would get bitten and, um, and explore kind of a, a true like relationship that's built on balance and understanding. And then, um, the fun and danger fight against evil. I, I kind of like good versus evil and, um, and kind of witches and magic and that kind of thing and draw it all in. So, um, so yeah, that's where it came from. So, <laughs> no, this is great. So, so when you were, you know, kind of dreaming up kind of why, I mean, did you, did you really say, okay, it's going to be YA or did you just say, I just have a story idea with all these elements. If it's YA, it's YA. If it's not, it's not. Or were you pretty sad? Um, yeah, I want because of the setting, boarding school setting, that was straight YA because mm-hmm. otherwise it's, um, unless I did like middle grade and then you could do a middle grade boarding school, but I kind of wanted, my voice felt more teen. Um, so, I, and I like, I like person, um, POV, I like getting deep into the characters' minds. So that's very common in why they want something a little bit faster paced, which I write a little bit faster paced. Um, so that seemed to suit my voice the best. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of, I love the genre and then wanted to, I saw a need for something, an audience that was kind of built in. So that's kind of the three things came together really nicely. Well, it's always, you, you know, you've thought through this, you know, a lot, I mean, did a lot of research and things. So as you were kind of, you know, thinking through your own, like, I would kind of like this, because usually that's where great stories come from. Mm-hmm. It's like, here, here's the book, you know, I want to read. Um, <laughs> and I think it, we're all liars if we don't think that we're trying to write the book we want to read. Um, but, uh, you know, when you think about like YA, young adult kind of reader expectation, you know, mm-hmm. what, and, and this is probably easier to answer now because you've written a ton of books, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what are some of the things that you're kind of thinking through? Like, what are the expectations, if any, from a YA audience? Cause I know it's very, very vast and very, you know, wide. Um, mm-hmm. are you thinking through that? Or are you just thinking about your audience or there's certain kind of, you know, if somebody's listening, I, I'll say it this way. If somebody's listening that, you know, says, Hey, I want to write a YA book. Are there things they should be thinking about that makes, you know, it's specifically YA versus maybe kind of going more towards adult. Um, YA always has a bit of a coming of age-ness to it. So it's usually, um, older teens, um, come like coming into their own. Uh, it's always, uh, almost always first person, um, past tense and it's very quick paced. A lot of younger readers will open a book and look for white space on the page So looking when you're writing, looking and seeing where you're breaking your paragraphs, how much dialogue you have, how quickly the pages will actually turn. That's something that uh, the YA audience in particular is actually really paying attention to. They want to know how much white space you've got. So in terms of like writing technique, that's something that comes up. Um, So those are kind of, they also uh, don't want anybody talking down to them or um, too preachy. Um, so those, those are things that uh, teens, YA, and a lot of the readers for YA can be actually 12, 13, younger. Um, 
So, so you've got to like factor that in um, when you're writing, especially if there's romance, which all YA has some romance in it because, you know, young love, what Mm -hmm. could be better? (laughs) So those are like kind of the elements and themes that are in pretty much all YA books. Now I heard, I've heard you talk about this too. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about how do you, you know, could you teach kind of different, you could say morals to like young girls through fantasy, which yes. I think is really interesting. Cause I've always thought of, you know, one thing I talk about on the show and, and other authors have talked about too, is, um, you know, fiction is such a great platform to, you know, almost like you said, not, you don't have to be preachy, but it's a great way to get messages a- across that maybe yes. even other platforms don't. Um, and, and we forget that. So, yes. so yeah, talk a little bit about that. Was that something you were kind of thinking about as you're writing your kind of original series or? Yes. Yeah. What does that, what does that mean to you? Um, I kind of wanted to, um, show what a real balanced relationship would look like. And I think Testa and Dashton have a really good relationship. He's stronger in some things. She's stronger in others, but together they kind of make each other better. They lift each other up. It's not like a ton of drama. They're not, um, playing games with each other. Um, it's, um, they're good together. And I wanted to show um, younger girls what it would be like, you know, what you're looking for in a guy, you know, respect yourself, respect, you know, others, the kind of expectations that you have from a romance as well. Um, And to value yourself and, and not just fall for some guy um, so I kind of wanted to show that and I, and I think their relationship is really great. Um, and I wanted to show a good, you know, relationship with parents, supportive relationship with parents, um, which you don't always get in YA. A lot of the, the things that, you know, in order to show the teens and the YAs that they get to really take charge, you have to get rid of the parents really quickly. And so otherwise the parents would come in and take charge. Um, they wouldn't let their kids go and fight evil battles. Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, so you have to get rid of the parents. Um, so I wanted that in there. Um, but I really love kind of the, I don't know, Star Trek approach um, to any kind of issue. Um, just really doing it not so in your face, very subtly. Any Anything that I talk about in my books, you can see um, also even though I have witchcraft and whatever, everything else in there, and it's kind of, uh, I always layer it with um, Christian ideals and morals. So, um, so that's in there too. Um, I've had a few readers message me and say, "Are you are you Christian?" Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, I'm an Orthodox Christian. <laughs> so it's in there, you know. But kind of those messages and off planet. My most recent release. Um, is way more political, but also subtle. You're just seeing it through Maite's eyes and her experiences, but it's there. The lessons and morals are there, but I don't ever say them. The characters never say them. They never think them, Mm -hmm. but it's there in the subtext. Mm -hmm. 
No, that's really, really good. I think uh, some great storytelling principles too is like, you know, your worldview, whatever you believe, whatever, you know, can come through, but it doesn't have to, you know, you don't just go, okay, in this paragraph, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to give a little yeah. mini sermon on, you know, or, or summarize it. I, I was just reading this uh, writing book and he was talking about, you, you know, every story at the end, you know, there's kind of this self-realization or the self-revelation where the character kind of realizes how broken they are or how flawed they are, or usually you don't see that till later, you know, they, they, you know, they go through the battle and they come out the other end and they go like, Oh wow, I'm a mess. Or, you know, this needs help or whatever. But like, you don't preach that. Like you don't go and, you know, it's kind of like the full house, you know, as, as Danny Tanner sits on the edges of the bed and, you know, gives a moral lesson about what did we learn today from this, you know, right. or, or some of the shows we grew up with were so, you know, obvious or like the Scooby-Doo, you know, ending. Um, right. But you kind of weave that in and you kind of show like, Hey, this is, there's another way to look at relationships or another way to look at, life or, or what have you. I really appreciate yeah. that. Cause it sounds like, you know, after you did the, you know, read a lot of twilight or watched a lot of twilight, as you said, you know, there's a different way to look at relationships. Maybe it doesn't have to be like this. Um, I've heard a couple different YA authors talk about that and just relationship wise and what's expected, but maybe doing yeah. it a little more healthy out, outside the box. doesn't have to be the typical drama, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, she went a little bit extreme with Bella throwing herself off a cliff because her boyfriend broke up with her. That's right. pretty. <laughs> right, right. Roman kind of, yeah. Uh, I'm like, yeah. no, no, that you don't throw yourself off a cliff if your boyfriend breaks up with you, right. please. <laughs> right. Especially when you're, yeah, when you're that young and immature, it's like, yeah, there'll be... <laughs> I remember I had a, when I, uh, I had a serious girlfriend when I was in high school and I, you know, broke up and of course I'm devastated and, you know, can't eat and all this. And I'm like a sophomore in high school. And I remember I had a, um, a youth pastor friend. He said, um, he said, well, just get another one. You know, like I'm almost <laughs> just like, you know, she's not going to be the, you, would you think you're going to marry her? Like, come on, you know, just, yeah. I mean, just understanding the bigger picture. Like, you know, you don't know anything. You're 15 years old. Just relax. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, thanks for for sharing that. So, um, so so let's talk about this. I, I I love this. You you've talked about, you know, sometimes writing, um, you know, is becomes kind of a competition as much as art. You've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean when you when you say that, like competition and art? How do those those things kind of go together? Um. Well, it's something that I've. Uh, there's always a little bit of a tug of war, I think, and maybe it's because I. Um, what did take my MFA, but in a very friendly, supportive environment. Um, but there, it was a genre program and there was a very big like genre versus lit programs, which one is better who, you know, it's all very, you know, me versus you. And it can be like that also, um, in any kind of like writer's group or, um, you know, this author's doing that, or I want to do that, or I'm not doing as good as that, or it can be very competitive. And, and, um, I'm just, I don't, I'm not a competitive person. I'm the kind that should not play any board games with any, I I hand over my cards. I'm like, Oh, you need that one? Sure. Here you go. Oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I don't care if I lose. It's cool. Um, so I just, um, I kind of try I, I never leave a bad review. I'm excited for any authors that are doing anything, but it is a competitive, um, it's a competitive field. So it's an interesting, interesting place to be, I think, especially as a genre writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I go to a lot of um, RWA and that kind of thing. And 
I love the supportive writing community and um, I kind of fight against anybody that starts to um, poke fingers at other authors or what they're doing or they're not good enough or anything like that. I'm like, no, no, everybody should be helping each other out. We're all in this together. More readers is more better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think you're, you're, you know, you're tapping into something that's almost a myth though. I, I think that that idea of competition, it's like, it's not you versus all the other YA authors as if, you know, there's only one slice of the pie. It's, no. I mean, there's a reason why we read and people read what you write and read what I write is because it's a, it's a unique angle. It's a different you know, way of telling a story, you know, there's plenty of readers to go around. There's plenty of books to go around. And, and like you said, I think switching that narrative and just being supportive and like, I, I just, the whole like reviewing thing is just so, I just laugh now because it's, it's almost ridiculous. Like <laughs> I, mean, I, I just got, you know, even reviews on, on the podcast about, you know, they just have no context and it's just like, well, he obviously is against this or that. And it's like, what, where do you get that from? Like, you know, I mean, there's just, yeah. there's just a sense of like, you have enough time to do this. Like what, I mean, out of your day, you know, or, you know, or, you know, writing reviews about written or whatever. And it's like, man, it's like, it's hard enough and let, let alone, you know, the kind of yeah. drop those bombs on people. Writing uh, is very hard. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, unless I'm leaving a five-star review, I don't leave a review and I don't read any of my reviews that are less than four stars. You can yeah. filter that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Nobody needs that in their life. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, if you've written a novel and I mean, it's, it's a miracle that we can even finish one. I mean, it's just the, as much yeah. effort as it takes and it's just, it, it's a, you know, I'm still shocked every time I can finish something. It's like, wow. You know, and, and yet here's someone kind of going like, Oh, this is, you know, whatever, or, you know, so, or they obviously didn't read it and they just, just yeah. saying like nonsense, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. no, I, I like that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about a little more on craft. Um, tell us a little bit, kind of what is your typical, if you have a typical kind of writing day look like? I know you're, you're fairly pro prolific and got a lot going on, but you know, do you, do you have kind of a kind of systems processes in place to make sure you're getting your words down? And what does that look like for you? Um, I have tried a bunch of different things to keep word count up. It's really, really, really difficult to, um, to be, an indie publisher as well as keeping that word count up because you have to do all the marketing every day. You have to answer emails and post on social media and do all of that. I have recently, I tried for a little while to do it all on just one day, all of that publisher stuff and then write the rest of the week. Um, but that didn't work out very well. It always ended up bleeding. So I um, leave myself and I set a timer just a couple hours in the morning. So then that's off my plate and I'm not worrying about it and I want it done and gone. Um, and then I use Scrivener to write. I go full screen mode and I turn on Mac Freedom. So um, Freedom kills your Wi-Fi and it takes out basically anything, any distractions, any notifications. Your computer is like dead to the world mm -hmm. and it will only turn back on if it's, you set a timer, but it will, only turn back on before your timer is up if you hard reboot. Hmm. So you have to physically turn your computer off. So you have to be really desperate if you want to check, right, right. check Facebook or like check an email or anything like that. Um, so I hide my phone and just like focus in on what I'm doing. Um, but that's what works for me. I think other, other authors that I've talked to kind of swap their day. They do it in the morning, but my brain needs more like caffeine and stuff <laughs> to really get going. So I'd rather write the emails in the morning and then actually get the focus done in the afternoon. Um, and I have a young 
kiddo. And my writing day only happens when my nanny's here because <laughs> otherwise nothing get nothing gets done. Right. No, no, I like that. I think there's, there's some, a lot of wisdom and, and just also you, you kind of hinted at just knowing yourself. I mean, everyone yeah. you know, gives out advice. Oh, you got to write in the morning. And that's when you're most fresh, but like, I'm kind of a dethar too. I have to like kind of slowly slog yeah. to like coherence. I have four young children. So, oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it, yeah. And it, it, I'm just, I've always been a night owl for whatever reason. And so for me, you know, and I, I always tell authors, it's like, don't, I mean, I can give you advice. You can get advice from whoever, but do, do what works for you. Yeah. Um, there's, there's no one that's gonna, you know, the writing police isn't going to show up and lock you up. Yeah. No, uh, it's like, um, every, every author is different. Every person is different and you mm-hmm. kind of have to try a bunch of different things and figure out where gets you into the right headspace the quickest to get the best word count. Some people do writing sprints and they love that. Mm-hmm. I, it takes me too long to get into a groove to then stop it 15 minutes later. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that doesn't work for me, but that works. I have a lot of friends that that works beautifully for them. So mm-hmm. you never know, you've got to try everything. And then eventually after doing it for a while, you figure out what works for you the best. Sure. So, uh, being indie published, uh, you know, obviously you don't have anyone on your back saying, Hey, you got to get this done by you know Tuesday. Um, you, you've talked about, you know, ideally as an indie published, maybe having you know, a couple books a year is at least at a minimum. Um, mm-hmm. how does how do deadlines work, work for you? I mean, are you doing pre-orders that kind of work to a deadline? Are you, what's a comfortable pace like for kind of getting out books, um, on a timely schedule? So I always do a pre-order for my next book in the back of the current release. So I always know when my um, pre-order is when my next book is going to be due. Um, that's not to say you can't change it. I've pushed when, after I had my daughter, I had to push a couple, a few months later because life got crazy. First time mom, I set a little too, <laughs> too um, close of an expectation for myself, too big of an expectation. Um, so that didn't happen. Um, but you know, so there is wiggle room, but I always know when my next book is coming out. I try and get ahead as much as I can, but you know sometimes it's a little bit down to the wire, which is fine, um, especially with eBooks. Uh, Off Planet, I did a full distribution print run, so I had to have that one done sooner. So it's you know more than a year out. You have to have it pretty much locked down and, and good. So um, so yeah. It just depends, but eBooks is great because you can just, you know, as soon as you're done with a book, almost put it out. You can set a deadline a little bit later, you know, than you think, and then get get ahead, which I like. I'm all about getting ahead and not um, writing down to the wire, which can get tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, I got almost got nailed on the pre-order <laughs> right down to the, well, cause uh, you know, if, if you're doing yeah. pre-orders on Amazon, I guess you can do them other places too, but Amazon's very hardcore. It's like, if it's not like, you know, 10 days, they're already like on you. Like where's, the, you know, where's your manuscript? And then mm-hmm. they like boot you out of the program if you don't have it something there. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, but I think that's, you know, it's good to have those kind of built in deadlines are, is really big, mm-hmm. especially, you know, so many starting writers too, it's like, they don't have any kind of deadline. So it's like, well, I'm writing this book and maybe when it gets done here and there, but even just having a self-imposed deadline is so important. Just yes. Have something work, working towards it. Like, Hey, here's my thing. You know, I made it, you know? So. Yeah. And you have to be as a writer, very self-motivated. You have to really be able to stick by your own deadline and, and 
sometimes you need help, like accountability. I have my pre-order, that's my deadline. Mm-hmm. But for other starting out writers, I keep tell, I always tell them, get a, get a critique group, get a something, something that you have to turn pages in on a day so that you're actually doing it. Otherwise, other things in life will creep up and you'll never get it done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So let's transition a little bit to marketing. So uh, one of the things that you've talked about is just being learning how to be, I guess, friends or engage with your audience and your readers. Mm -hmm. What does that explain kind of what that looks like in your world as far as marketing and kind of getting to know kind of readers and and engaging with them, social media, whatever you're doing? Um, Well, when I started to think about going indie, I I went to a lot of uh, RWAs, a few conventions a few years in a row and they are a lovely group of women who are amazing about sharing all their marketing tips and tricks and one thing that really stuck um stuck with me was she she said that like her readers had to feel like friends because they will stick with you through books, through series, through everything if they feel like they know you like you're friends and close with them then they will, they will be your audience that will follow you throughout the years. And you, you want to engage with them and nourish that relationship. Um, and so that's something that I, I really took to heart. Um, and so when I built my social media, I have a super fans group. I posted earlier, <laughs> right before we got on this call, a picture of me with the microphone saying, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. And I try and engage with them. Um, because they are important to me. Like you can't sell books without readers and, um, and you want your stories to find an audience. That's why you do it. You write these stories because it's burning inside of you, but also because you want to share this with somebody else. And so you need them. Um, and you want them engaged and you want them to enjoy it. Um, so, so building up that kind of marketing plan and, and I don't like the whole, sell, sell, sell. If you're Mm. constantly pushing, selling a book, nobody wants to buy it. It feels Mm. desperate, especially in kind of this millennial age. Like nobody's going to want that. Mm. Um, I don't like it. If somebody tells me to buy something, I'm not going to buy it. I'm (laughs) I'm very, um, I'm bad about it. I'm like, no, why don't boss me around? Mm -hmm. I don't want to buy that. But if somebody, you know, gives me a recommendation or, you know, seems cool, then like, I will probably buy that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, I don't, I just don't like a, a pushy marketing plan, mm-hmm. but I do have one. It, this is publishing is a business. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of authors don't really see it as a business. They think they see only the art and the book and, and like the cover and everything, but that's only like one small mm-hmm. portion of it. And if you're going indie, you have to think of everything. Yep. No. And I think that's, you know, you're, you're describing nurture, you're, you're describing relationship. Like that's, that's, I mean, we've kind of come out of this aberration, especially on the internet, you know, online mm-hmm. stuff is like the spammy, sleazy, buy my thing, buy my thing. Oh, God, like that just that. turns people off. Cause I think we've gotten smarter and we've realized, Hey, that, that guy's a weirdo or that girl's a weirdo. Um, but, but when there is a relation, there is a, Oh, they're, they have a kid and they're a human and they, you know, have struggles just like me. And like you end up sometimes you even buy stuff. You don't, you know, just cause you like the person. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, it's not even like, yeah, maybe it's a good book. Maybe it's okay. But, but the reality is like, there is a relationship there. And, and I like what you're saying. I think a woman who gave you advice about, you know, kind of 
hanging in there with, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe that next book isn't their favorite or that series isn't yeah. their favorite, but they still like you and they, they like what you're doing. And, and, and that's, that will keep people kind of those, you know, they, they call them the thousand true fans. You yeah. know, it's, it's that group that's going to stick with you through thick and thin, even the flops, you know? And yeah, I think that's, that's so important, you know? Yeah. Not every book is going to be for every person. And, for every fan that you have. Um, the thing that I liked about switching series so drastically from the Alpha Girl series to Off Planet was the fact that my fans followed me into a whole different genre. And a lot of them, you know, would email me, message me, post reviews saying, I wasn't really sure about this genre. I don't know about sci-fi, space opera. This seemed weird, but I just gave it a shot and I read the first chapter and then I was sucked in and now I love it. It's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I want to read more of this genre. And it's like, yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving it a shot. I so appreciate because you liked my other series. You, you tried this one out and that means like the world to me and that they found a love for this genre is just, I'm like, that's the best. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, a testament to you. I mean, obviously a great storyteller and writer because, you know, I think of like a Stephen King who, you know, it's funny. Everyone thinks Stephen King, they think horror. And it's funny. My favorite books of his aren't his horror stuff. It's, <laughs> it's Green Mile. It's Shawshank Redemption. It's, you know, right. uh, you know the, um, the Body, which is, you know, Stand By Me. And, and I mean, the guy is just a talented, I mean, he's written kids books, like short stories. And, and it's just funny, you know, that, that if they like you and they like who you are and they like your storytelling, like they'll follow you where, wherever you go. And, and I think yeah. we have to trust that, you know, ability. I think there's just been a lot of, I, I, I agree. I mean, there's people that, you know, Hey, you got to write to market. You got to be in this thing forever. But I think again, after you build a kind of a community, you do have mm-hmm. some freedom to kind of experiment. Yeah. Try new things. Otherwise your voice gets stifled, right? You've got to try new things. Yeah. And I think as, yeah, as writers, that's, that's the other part is readers don't understand that as like, as writers, we want to stay fresh too. And it's like, if I just write in this genre, this kind of story, this series for the rest of my life, I might go crazy. Right. Uh, I don't know. There's some authors out there that have like 40 books in a series. I'm like, I don't know how you're doing it. It's like, I'm, I don't like this character anymore. Let's, let's make a new one. Um, Well, I want to uh, just as we kind of get to the the back end of the the interview is a uh, couple things that are I think are interesting in your story, and this might help a lot of people because we do have a, a large writing community that you know thinking about different things, and and one of the things you, you've you've mentioned actually is your MFA um, mm-hmm. and just kind of your experience through that um, and what what that was like. You've talked about that on I think a little write up I I heard and read some things about you know what your experience was like. You know, obviously, you know MFAs are you know, masters of fine arts, people, you know, creative writing, get into them. It's not to, you know, become a, you know, a famous teacher or anything. And there's different reasons and motivations to go and do them. So talk us through your, your journey a little bit through that. You know, you talked about, you went to film school, then you went, got the MFA. What was kind of the thinking behind, you know, kind of getting some more learning when it comes to writing? Right. Well, writing is a craft. So it's something that has to be learned. You have to work at it a lot. I'm a big, you know, a big follower of the 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell's thing. You know, I, I, 10,000 hours is just like, once you hit that, you get better at it. You get better at whatever it is that you're working at. Um, and I was working in post-production in commercials, um, and hating it, writing. Um, and I wrote a book, I finished a book and I read it and I was like, this is not any good but I didn't know how I'd never taken a writing class. I didn't know how like this finished a book with the right amount of words, the right amount of pages 
turned into one that I would buy from a popular author? Like how, what did they do differently? And I couldn't quite figure it out. I was like, I need somebody to tell me what I'm doing wrong, which every writer needs. I still have an editor. They tell me what I'm doing wrong. (laughs) So, um, so I looked into different uh, programs, but I knew that I, I wasn't a literature person. That's just not me. So I needed to, um, find a program that nurtured genre. So there are not very many genre programs that will give you an MFA in some sort of um, program like that. Um, So, and I was looking for a particular community um, within that. I got accepted to a few different schools, one of whom is a very prestigious school in LA who has a writing, uh, no, it's called a master's in professional writing. Um, and I went and visited and they were trash talking <laughs> the romance writers. So I was like, this is not for me. I, I like, I, I want to be in a lovely, like we're going to build each other up. Yay. Let's write. <laughs> we're all going to be awesome program. And so I was like, forget about it. I'm not doing that one. Um, and I found Seton Hill university and I didn't visit it. I didn't talk to any of them. I just was like, I think this is going to be the right fit for me. It was a low residency program in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, You go for a week and then, and you can stay in the dorms or stay in a hotel. Um, And then you spend the next five, six months writing with a mentor um, and taking an online class. So you do a week of just intense, like writing. I'm going to blow your brain up with too much information and you're going to go home tired and it's going to be amazing. So, um, so I got there, I had the most amazing experience and found this group of writers that was just, they were phenomenal. I, they became my second family. Um, and I had a lovely experience. The, the goal of the program is to, um, have a finished publishable ready manuscript by the time you're done. Um, a lot of the professors there are uh, professional working authors. Um, my, one of my mentors uh, was Dr. Lee McLean. She dates a bunch of uh, romance right now. Um, she has done YA in the past. Uh, and then I had Maria B. Snyder as my mentor, who is a New York Times bestselling author. Um, so we, the kind of feedback and it was just amazing. So I learned how to write there. I learned the basics. Uh, My first day there, I I got critiqued and they were like, this is all cliche. Like literally everything on your pages is a cliche. I was like, great. Tell me how to make it better. And, um, and they did for three years, they told me how to make it better and I learned how to write. And so I, Seton Hill and their, uh, their writing popular fiction program is just, it's just amazing. Um, so I, I loved it. I, so I'm a big advocate. I know people are hesitant to spend more money about learning sure. how to write, but you've got to learn somehow. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. And I, th- I think that's what I've, I've been hearing too, is, is that it's a, it's really an immersive program. I mean, it's to really that, to write, like just, you, you get better by writing and yes. having people mentor you and talk about your writing and critique it and tear it apart and make it better. And, um, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, I don't think, you know, you know, the, the grandeur of I'm going to be a professor and I'm going to do all that. I mean, that obviously could happen, but it's not, 
necessarily going to happen. I mean, did you have any, you know, inklings or desires to say, I want to teach after this or teach, help other people write, or just, it was more just, I want to learn how to write. No, I just wanted to learn how to write. Um, Mm -hmm. but that said, there are a bunch of teachers that went to the program to, um, kind of level up their teaching credentials so that they could work at different schools or move to college level classes instead of high school, that kind of thing. Um, and some of them that that was their goal, which is great. They learned more about writing. They got the MFA degree and, um, and their goal was to teach. Um, my editor also teaches. Mm -hmm. So, and I know her from my MFA. Um, so it's a lot of teaching that happens there, but that was not my goal. Um, I wanted to write. My husband is a movie producer, so we go on location a lot. So um, it's like having a job where you have to be in one place and teach just wasn't kind of feasible for us. So um, so that also was another factor. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. I, I think that's some insight into, you know, those that are thinking about MFAs or, you know, really about what, what you know, and it might look, look like an MFA or online course or whatever, yeah. um, but just to get better and, and really immerse yourself into it's funny. I listen, I listen to a lot of, uh, kind of professional authors. I've had a couple on the show that have been around for, you know, 40 plus years. And they, they always say, it's so funny. Like we don't think we need to practice anymore. Like once we, once we've done it a few times, yeah. Oh, we got it. Um, but you know, writing is one of those things where you just continually learn things and try things and get better at things. And yeah, it's and so any way great. you can do that. Yeah. It, it's like, there's not like a gene that you get and it's like, Oh, I, f- I figured it out. And yeah, uh, but it's, yeah, no, I know. Like, yeah, I took, um, I still take classes, even though I have my MFA in writing. It's and that's a terminal degree. Like that's the end of it. I still take classes, and um, I love Margie Lawson. She does these writing immersion classes that are intensive. It's like five days, um, all day long, and she is phenomenal. I was looking for a way to get my writing to another level because I know that there's always always things that you can learn. And I found that after my MFA with Margie, she's great. Um, so I highly recommend to anybody who's looking, you know, has been writing for a while and, um, and looking for a way to keep growing, you know, keep learning, look for other classes to, because this is a craft and the more you do it, the more you learn, the better you get, which is only, only good things come from that. That's great. Well, Eileen, this has been uh, fantastic and uh, you've shed light on a lot of things and uh, given us a lot of insights into writing and sharing your story. And, uh, and so one thing I love to ask our authors um, before you go is, you know, you've been writing for a while, done your MFA, still cranking out the books is, you know, what are just a couple, we call them writerly truths that you'd want to share with, you know, beginning intermediate writers, maybe they're just getting started or, you know, just kind of getting rolling you know, things you've learned along the way that are just essential to you when you think about writing and the craft and, and, and all of that? Um, I guess some things that I think are essential to me. Um, I, I love doing a quick, uh, very, very quick um, outline. Some people like a long one, but knowing what, what works for you is the best. I do um, Blake Snyder's Save the Cat 40 note cards that I've done. Um, some other things to always know is when you get to the second act, just keep going. The second act always slogs. It always slogs, especially when you get to the midpoint. Um, I, every single book, I 
stomp inside after a day of writing and my husband's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I hate it. I'm going to quit writing. This is horrible. Why would I ever do this to myself again? He's like, what part are you at? Middle of the second act. He's like, okay. All right, here's some ice cream. You're going to be mm-hmm. fine. Just mm-hmm. keep going. And then I'm, I get past it and it's fine. But every writer, I feel like, has one part that gets kind of tricky. Um, oh. And the, for the second act, is always kind of tricky. And so I guess write every day, keep going, finish it, and then get somebody to critique you mm-hmm. um, because you always need feedback, always. That's great. I love that. I, I think what people don't realize with the second act thing is is that, it's because you've lost your enthusiasm. It's like that excitement of like yeah. new character, new book, new se- And then it's like, you get familiar. Like, Oh, uh, I just want to do something else. Yeah. Um, yeah nobody, Always. Nobody talks about that. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, so Eileen, tell us uh, what you have coming out and where people can find you. Um, so most recently I is off planet. Um, it's a YA space opera. You can find it at any, um, retailer, uh, the other one that I have coming out in June is Lunar Court. That's book eight in the Alpha Girl series. And they can find me um, at inkmonster.net or um, across any major retailer, Eileen Aaron. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Eileen, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've helped a lot of writers today. And thank you for sharing your, your story, the ups and the downs and the in-betweens. And I'm so glad for all your success. And I hope to talk to you again sometime soon. Okay. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Well, there you have it, prolific writer nation, Eileen Aaron. Wow, there's a lot to digest there. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed that interview. Hopefully you were writing things down. Hopefully you were tapping things in your phone, however you keep tabs of things. But there's a lot of great advice uh, by Eileen. And I just love the way that she kind of is carving her own path and not allowing herself to be fit in a box and, and the kind of YA that she writes and the kind of books that she writes. And, and I love that, um, that, you know, there's these market standards and there's these, you know, books that people say you have to write it this way, or there's no market for this. And she's proved all them wrong. And, and that's, that's a, a reality for the indie community. And I, I've been hearing this time and time again, and even professional writers that have been writing for 40 years, uh, is, you know, write the books you love, write the books you want to read, write the books that are in your heart and the messages you want to share and, uh, and, and you'll find an audience. And, and so thank you, Eileen, go check out her books and I'll put those in the show notes and uh, hopefully that will be a great reading experience for you. She has a lot of them. And uh, so go check those out. So before you go, just a couple things, uh, thing one, if you would be so kind to leave a rating or review on iTunes, uh, that would really help us out a lot. And I'll put that in the show notes as well, just to get the word out of the show. Apparently that helps. Um, also a great way to just stay apprised on the show is to subscribe to iTunes, uh, or Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show, uh, to, to stay uh, on top of that. And, uh, and also another great way to do that is also our VIP list um, that you can uh, sign up on our email list and keep you apprised uh, on latest episodes and articles and resources. I mentioned the course early on to keep you updated on that as well. And we have some other writing resources on the prolificwriter.net um, as well. So check, out, check those all out as well. And I'd love to stay connected and hear from you as well. Uh, 
And then uh, lastly, I just have one thing is if you would like to support this show and other shows on the Project Entertainment Network, the podcast family that we're part of, uh, you can do that at patreon.com. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. I think for as little as a dollar a month, you can get all kinds of cool swag and stories and all kinds of stuff and connect with some of the other podcasts on the network. So check that out as well. And one last thing that's probably the most important thing is go get those words on the page. And this is Ryan J. Pelham from The Prolific Writer, and I'll talk to you real, real soon. Every person's story has something to teach us, how others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt, how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 